Hello, Internet. California right now is under a deluge. It is it is finally raining. Is the drought. French? Deluge? I don't know. But, but or deluge in the Winter Olympic sport. <laughs> um, uh, Andy and I are building an arc at the World uh, Vox headquarters in Brea, California, which, which is uh, amazing. Which also means there's massive genocide coming. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> evidently. Um, so uh, w- welcome, hello to the Vox podcast. If uh, if you're new with us, um, man, we're, we're so glad you're joining us. We are continually amazed uh, by uh, how far and wide you have taken this. And um, so I was I was writing some thank yous. Uh, we've got to some folks in Hawaii. So we'll, we'll wait. We'll, we're waiting for the invitation to do a live show in Hawaii, uh, all the way to South Carolina, um, some writing, writing in Colorado. I mean, come on, you guys, this is crazy. Yeah, I go, I go to any of those states. Yes, yes, we're in. Um, so uh, want to thank also, we have 72 people supporting the podcast, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and that doesn't even count my mom. So that is amazing. And Andy's mom doesn't even count her. Right. So she, And she signed up five times. Yes. So she's a five to one ratio patron. So, so thank you for that. If you want to find out more, um, about rewards and um, and all of those sorts of things, go to patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also find out more about the podcast at voxpodcast.com if you want to give us feedback. Um, and uh, and uh, we have uh, the community podcast at uh, voxoc.com. Holy cow, that's a lot. All right. <laughs> so today, Andy Bear, um, I, I want to, I've been, I've been saving this uh, for a rainy day. And literally, because um, this is something that I learned, man, I don't, I don't even remember. I was thinking about it yesterday. I don't remember when I got this, but it it has been totally helpful in um, uh, helping people along the way of Jesus. And it was um, written by a guy named M. Scott Peck. So he's, he was very famous in the, I don't know, seventies, eighties. Uh, wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled, I think. Not the poem, but I think that was his big one. Um, wrote a book about evil called People of the Lie, which was uh, which was ridiculously good. Anyway, um, Scott Peck uh, was a psychologist, and um, he identified four stages of spiritual development in, in human beings. They, they're not specifically Christian. They're human. Um, but I found loads of application of these in um, in the church. So I want to go over the stages, and I'm editing him and interpreting him. And I don't know, you know, I, I don't I don't know if he'd agree with with my interpretation of him. He's uh, he's no longer with us, so he can't argue. Yeah. Um, but but and whether or not they're true, they make some interesting conversational points that I thought would be would be would be interesting for us to to kind of noodle on a little bit. So uh, I'm going to go over just kind of in a dry, sort of straightforward way, um, the 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 differences and the titles he gives the four stages, and, and then um, want to talk about okay, let's let's say for the sake of argument, this is true. What are the implications mm-hmm. uh, for how we do uh, religious life together? So, mm-hmm. the first stage, he gives he gives each stage a two word title. So, with stage one, is called chaotic and antisocial. Okay, so stage one is um, it's chaotic 
because stage one people, according to Peck, are governed by their desires. Okay, so there's nothing governing desire. So it's it's totally chaotic. Uh, and it's antisocial in the sense that um, that loving others at this stage really is just using others. Mm. So I'm meeting my own needs through other people. So mm. it's not it's not genuine uh, selfless uh, love uh, an affection towards somebody else. it's it's really love of self through others. So that's what he means by antisocial. These people may look loving and even think of themselves as loving, uh, but their relationships are essentially manipulative and self-serving. Um, and there's nothing really that governs them except their will and their desire. So so Peck says, uh, we start out here, right? Kids are this way, right? There's no, right? You, you, uh, we, call, we call it in our kids the wanter, huh. right? The wanter gets fired up and it's like, you know, Seth is like, chicky way, uh, Carl Jr., um, he'll say, he'll, he'll just go down this list of fast food restaurants that he wants. And his one, <laughs> we'll just say, man, his wanter is very active today. Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, most of these places he's never even been. He yeah. just, he just, you know, it's just funny. So, so, um, he's, uh, Peck says most kids start here. We start here as, as, um, as kids. And he says roughly 20% of people, adults, um, kind of are in this stage at any one still time. Still operate this still way. Still operate this way. Now, um, the the problem comes when there's some sort of crisis, when will and desire lead you to crash. Okay, so so at that point, there's that's a very painful experience. It could be a divorce, uh, it, it could be a bankruptcy, it could be any number of factors where you realize you get in touch with uh, ungoverned desire and will inside. Mm-hmm. And in that painful process, you begin the journey to stage two. Mm. I mean, it's, it's kind of like that saying, like, left to my own devices. Like, it's that Correct. all my own tools actually destroy me rather than Correct. prosper. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If, I'm, if, if nothing governs will outside of self-interest and desire, I'm a mess. I mean, I'm an addict. I'm a right. whatever. So um, Peck says, once somebody wakes up to the chaos of their inner life, they begin the process to going to stage two, which he calls formal and institutional now now what he means here is it's formal in the sense that well let's start with institutional it's institutional in the sense that people will turn to something outside of themselves to help them govern their inner world so they'll turn they'll go into the military uh the government law enforcement the church um, the structure of a job, the, they they need to turn an AA program. They'll turn to some institutional expression to help them govern inner life. Okay. Makes sense. So yeah. that's what he means. Yeah. Um, and, and because they want to escape the chaos, they need something to boundary will and desire. So it depends on where they are in the addiction cycle. You know, they may go to an AA program. Um, uh, for a lot of us, you know, in in Christian circles, you're you're talking about Jesus to people, and you're like, well, you just have this hole in your heart, and nothing will fill that hole except Jesus. You know, kind of thing. Um, and so, so it's institutional in the sense that you're turning to something bigger. But he calls it, it's formal, uh, and, and, and it's formal in here, he's not meaning versus informal. He means there's an attachment to the forms of the institution. In other words, so, so he, he zeroes in on religion in particular. 
So it's not just the institution that provides relief from the chaos, but it's the forms the institution uses. Mm. So so people will become attached to the liturgy, to the styles, to the methods that the institution uses. So this is where you get, you know, uh, in church, the preference wars, whether they're worship wars or ministry preferences. It's like, it's like, well, those were the things that helped me out of chaos and you become attached to them. Mm -hmm. And, and the longer you're attached, the, the more unopen you are to experiencing new forms. Oh yeah. And so he says, so you become attached to the forms of the institution. That's why he calls it formal. It's precisely these forms that are responsible for the liberation from chaos. So it's no wonder when people are threatened when those forms are tinkered with or changed or removed or whatever. Um, Peck says the people here view God almost as an exter- almost exclusively as an external transcendent being. They have very little awareness of an internal, indwelling, imminent being. Now, transcendence and imminence are two big words that theologians use. Transcendence is the bigness of God. Imminence is the nearness or intimacy of God to us. And so um, most in, in this stage will consider God loving, but, um, but feel that he will use punitive power. That's part of the institutional form, right? The threat of hell, the threat of God disciplining us, right? Those are things that people will use to help find relief from the chaos inside. Mm. Make sense? So, so religion that appeals to guilt and shame, uh, that is very judgmental, very punitive, still, it's still very popular. Why? Because those boundaries provide relief from chaos. So it's institutional in the sense that you're looking for something to govern will and desire. It's formal in the sense that you get attached to the forms. Now, Peck says, one of the things that's really important to understand is stability, he says, is a principal value for people at this stage. Mm. uh, and, and instability is a good thing, but he says people begin to internalize these forms, the principles and the practices. Um, and, uh, and, and at some point, crisis happens. All right. So think about the journey. The journey is um, I'm empty. Uh, life is crashing around. I come to Jesus, right? So I'm in a church and man, it's the Bible's coming alive. And when I, when I pray, it's like this, this incredible thing. And, and man, when we worship, it's this, and you, you hear very young sorts of uh, followers of Jesus, you know, it's just like, ah, it's amazing. Right. I've never experienced anything like this. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. And, and it's easy to become attached to the the kindness of God in those forms. So you think the forms are what's doing the thing, right? Right. So it's the twelve steps, and and certainly those have power. It's the it's the it's the having a quiet time every day. Certainly that has power. But it but but do you see you you? It's not the essence of the thing that you're attached to. It's the forms right, that right. the essence is taking. Makes sense? Yeah. Absolutely. And well, growing up, my parents would constantly tell me, you know, you would um, you just need structure. Right. You know, and it's because, like, you know, the That's my right. personality was very chaotic, very unstructured, very desire. Like, oh, this is I, – I would put all my eggs in one basket and chase after one thing because of its personal fulfillment, trying to find my identity and my way in the That's world. Right. That's right. But um, – So in its yeah. best, that was creative, expressive, sure, right, genius. Right. In its worst, it was totally chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so were they right? Well, yes. Yes. But what they meant by structure – 
Um, at some point, and this is where the the existential crisis happens. We call it a midlife crisis, a quarter a quarter century crisis, <laughs> a quarter life crisis. Uh, it, it's it's where those forms break down. Right. They don't they don't work. They don't work anymore like they used to. Right. So so it's when hey I've been a good Christian for years, and my kid dies in a drunk driving accident. Mm. Um, I have I have been faithful to my spouse, but my spouse cheats on me. Um, I, I get diagnosed with something. Uh, it's it's usually um, it's usually provoked by some sort of crisis that's external. So mm. the first transition is provoked by crisis that's internal. Um, although external circumstances play a part in that, but it's the revelation of how chaotic my inside is. Uh, this transition from stage two to stage three, Peck argues, is usually provoked by the breakdown of those forms. So you realize when you're when you're new to following Jesus, when the, you're listening to the Bible Answer Man, um, and there's a 30 second answer to the some of the deepest questions of the faith, and that's satisfying. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, great, that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. And I, I went through this absolutely when I was reading Josh McDowell and C.S. Lewis, and man, these how can how can people not believe this? I mean, the evidence is so overwhelming, and da 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 da. Mm. When you and, and and whether it's age or process or whether it's crisis, not everybody, but some will get to the place where they begin to question the institution and the forms. Because right. because we're saying that the structures and forms themselves don't necessarily speak to the crisis. Well, they they can. Well, of course, but... they, well they do. They absolutely do and that's where we so so the, the structure of military life, mm-hmm. um uh going through police academy, um uh, hitting college in 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 a, in a serious, you know, kind of rigorous way. Like there there is power in the structure. There's no sure. question about that. It's just that it's like the professional student who can't do anything but go to school. Right, they right, have yeah, a zillion yeah. degrees. Right. They, they've associated, they, they've they've wed the form that the structure has taken with the structure itself. Right. Make sense? Right. I, I think it's just the, 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 the juxtaposition I'm, I'm hearing is that the form and structure will continue, though, like externally, while even if crisis happens in a person's life, it's almost like they begin to then question the structure. Yes. Like, because, but, but that's my point is because the structure no longer itself no longer fulfills because crisis exists. Right. Like, that's, that's right. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. All right. So, we'll call it a crisis of faith, mm-hmm. um, but into the wilderness. I and mean, we have all sorts of synonyms for this. Yeah. And, and it's not like one of the disclaimers I think Peck gives is it's not like you go through these once. Sure. I mean, there are lots of gradations, and sometimes you'll go back, and there'll be a new crisis and a new bit of antisocial that you learn in your heart or chaos in your heart, and you go back, and you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's a bit messy, right? Uh, of course, but he calls stage three skeptic uh, and individual. So it, um, these people are. Uh, he means individualistic in the sense of they're no longer accepting the institution's answers. They have to discover for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're skeptical um, in the sense that they begin to question everything. So nothing is nothing at, at, at certain like low points, nothing is off limits, right? And I, I mean low points in the sense of it feels like the introduction of chaos again. Uh, for some, they yeah. get into this wilderness, and now there's now they're, they're aware of mystery, and and now it's not transcendence, you right? It's 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 more the quest for imminence, for personal, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, for personal connection, um, 
Uh, it's the reformatting of okay, so the forms maybe weren't the thing. Um, the institution necessarily wasn't the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of people, when you talk about deconstruction, when you talk about, you know, a lot of young folks kind of in a crisis of faith and questioning the church, uh, I, I think that, you know, sometimes that's just part of being young um, and having to find your own way. But I think a lot of times it's giving voice to this stage three. Now, you could argue that human society at least in American society, has gone through these evolutions, and that and that literally um, we were in stage two from like the fifties, uh, you know, right. the forties, right. um, and then and then the sixties started stage three, where there's now just massive rampant individualism and massive skepticism, where we do question everything. There is no authority or institution that's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So you could actually argue culture goes through these two. Sure. That's a different thing than I think what Peck was addressing. So, uh, so people in stage three, Peck argues, are actually more spiritually developed than people in stage two. Even though they're questioning everything, they're thinking about everything in spiritual terms. They are, uh, they're engaged fully, not just with forms, but with all sorts of expressions. Um, they're active truth seekers. Um, uh, and and uh, they they're deeply committed to causes. They're deeply aware of injustice. They're deeply aware of evil. There there's a there's a there you know the the expression these days is woke, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Woke. They're woke, uh, and not just to race issues, but to but to all sorts of things. So um, he says that at some point, people can just stay in these stages their whole lives. Or that you can move through them several times. But at some point, you begin to see that there was actually something to stage two, but it wasn't the forms, but the what was behind the forms, what the forms sort of represented and connected you with. That's right. the issue. So when you're open to that, you begin to transition to stage four. Stage four, he calls mystic and communal. Hmm. So mystics recognize the underlying spirituality and connection of everything. Um, and it also has to do with a comfortability of mystery. So um, so if you if you journey through stage three, you be and you begin to realize, okay, man, there aren't really good answers to some of these things and there really is mystery here. That can provoke a lot of anxiety in some people. Um, but if you stick with it long enough, you get to the place where you're totally comfortable with it. And you look at what you did in stage two as totally confining right, right. versus so. So but here's the big point. Right, let me let me finish the description. And then he, he makes a gigantic point that totally helped me see spiritual growth. He says, um, mysticism also has to do with mystery. Mystics acknowledge the enormity of the unknown. But instead of being frightened or, or worried about it. They seek to penetrate deeper into it and that they may understand more. There's a humility here that isn't always present in stage two. Right. Make sense? Yeah. Stage two absolutely. is, yes, this is obvious. Why does why don't people see this? Right, right. Stage four, it's like, no, I can understand. Um, uh, the love of mystery for the, the mystics is really in stark contrast to those people in stage two who need simple, clear-cut, dogmatic structures and a little taste for the unknown and the unknowable. 
Um, stage four people engage in religion to approach mystery. Here's the big point. Stage two people go to religion to escape from it. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. With that, now that's juicy. We're yeah, going to explore that one good. for a second. Um, so very often stage two people and stage four people do the same activities externally. So they'll go to church, they'll read their Bible, they'll pray. Let's, let's say that list. Uh, but they do it from completely different motives and with a complete, completely different awareness. Yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. So it, this to me is so powerful. That, so so um, the stage is also communal, not because, you know, they're living in communes, uh, but, <laughs> but because they, they're woke. They, they're aware of the interconnectedness of everything, mm-hmm. and they begin to see themselves not just as, as isolated individuals, but as part of families and tribes and neighborhoods, and they begin to, uh, they begin to see themselves communally rather than just individually. Now... Peck gives a bunch of disclaimers and, and these are all so interesting. And then I'm going to, I'm interested in just what your initial thoughts are. So first thing he says, there are many gradations within and between the four stages. Um, so if you're in stage two for a while, um, like, and, and, and then you move to stage three, well, the stage two people are going to judge you uh, very often as somebody who's backsliding or somebody who is, you know, um, um, you've left the faith right. because now you're questioning because right. you're moving outside the structure that's that's defined yep. the yep. thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, there. And this is such a big point. There exists a sense of threat among people in the different stages. So usually we're threatened by the people in the stages above us. Okay, so stage one are threatened by just about everything and everyone, although they may look great on the outside. Stage two people view stage one people as sinners, but they're very much threatened by stage three people who are the skeptics. Yeah. And, uh, and they're threatened by the stage four people who seem to believe in the same sorts of things they do, but they believe in them with a freedom they find absolutely terrifying. Yeah. A stage three people are intimidated by the stage four people who are open, thoughtful, and skeptical, but who have bought in to the Jesus stuff in even in the midst of their openness and skepticism. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so, so, so another, another, uh, disclaimer is when, when someone will say like, I've accepted Jesus or Jesus is my savior, somebody in stage two will say that means something completely different than somebody in stage four Mm -hmm. who will say the same thing, but will come at it from a completely different perspective. Um, we also retain parts of the previous stages that we've come. So I will always have preferences about the, the, the certain things that God has used to rescue me. Yeah. Right. So I love study. That was the thing, um, um, out of stage two, um, out of stage three, I love, um, encountering other points of view and thinking through them and wrestling with them, not threatened by that in the way that maybe I used to be. Right. Um, I'm okay being wrong. In, in ways maybe I never was before. Um, and and then people will ask, when I've shared this before, people will say, well, how do I move between the stages? And you're like, well, that's the point. You, you, you don't. You right. can't. Um, uh, it, it's, 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 like, it's like, let me give you the formula for falling in love. I mean, there's no, right. there's no steps. Right. It's this. more of a spectrum where yes. you different aspects are kind of you know, wider, deeper and different points of life because certain memories are influencing certain, you know, things at the, in the current, yes. et cetera. Yes. Right. So, so think about, so for me, 
this explains uh and again whether or not he's right or wrong whether he's framed it well that that to me isn't as interesting as the question of okay let's just say let's say for the sake of argument that's that's right yeah i love some of the things that um that that the stages are threatening to each other. I think that's I think that's really a big yeah, that's, deal. Yeah, that's super fascinating. And and that often spiritual maturity looks like will look the same as spiritual immaturity on the outside. So spiritual immaturity could look like, well, I got to have a quiet time. I got to have a I have to do my religious checklist every day. Spiritual maturity may look like that, but there's something behind it in terms of a freedom, a joy, a gratitude, an intimacy that is completely different from what's going on in stage two. And so I've always, so here's how I apply this, at least for me. I mean, as, as somebody who speaks to a community where you have all of these people, I always try in every teaching to have something for each of these folks. Um, so, so stage, oh, yeah, that's good, man. so stage one people, I always, I always try to, um, present, uh, the beauty, uh, of following of Jesus um, in ways that are contrasted with, uh, so so there's a cost of discipleship, right? There's a cost of following Jesus, uh, but there's also a cost to not following Jesus. And so, you know, is there a cost to generosity? Sure. But there's a bigger cost to greed. Uh, there's a cost to purity, sure. But there's a bigger cost to impurity. Uh, there's a there's a cost to humility, but there's a bigger cost to pride, right? So so subtle ways you're presenting not the forms of Jesus, but the person of Jesus as um, and and following him. Not just Jesus comes in and fills a hole in your heart, but it's orienting your life around the teachings, example, and presence of Jesus. Yes, that that. That takes us from from antisocial and chaotic. That he he's he's in a sense he uh, the introduction of him into life begins to order and prioritize and and change. So so for stage one people, we we I always want to be careful to not attach them to forms, but to as much as you can the person of Christ. Mm. Now obviously to do that you use forms. So the reading the Bible of course and and engaging with the community and, right. and learning to pray and well because you're introducing form as somewhat of that next step of. Soul solution to the chaos Correct. you know like that becomes a natural next step of like my life is so chaotic so what can i do to right. begin to bring things into alignment yes and that's 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 based on everything you just explained it's like you, you couldn't almost take that person in chaos and suddenly introduce skepticism and doubt right you know because it just becomes another spiral that's of chaos right. they that's can't right. there's no right. boundaries no fences nothing they can grab onto at least that's kinda. right yeah so they need handles right thank you that's what i'm looking for no absolutely and um and I have love handles, so that helps. <laughs> um, now they, uh, and 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 there has to be a, a very deep kindness and tenderness Jesus would have towards these people yeah. that we have to embody. Um, stage two people are the legalists and the Pharisees. If you're not careful, uh, there there can be beautiful stage two people, but very often, like I think of I think of a a young lady once who confronted me after a sermon uh, as I was presenting the message of Jesus, and she said, "Well, you didn't say the word sin." And she was upset that I did not say the word sin. Now, I, I, I most likely use words like fallenness and darkness and, you Brokenness. know. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah. But because I didn't say that word specifically, uh, it didn't count. <laughs> um, now, now, that's a st classic stage two. Correct. Yeah, right. It's the formula. Right. You have to pray the prayer. There's no other way to come in to the kingdom other than praying the prayer. Right. Right. I mean, and so it's it's the person that's continually wanting you to reinforce the boundaries uh, that they've been taught and they find comfort in. Right. 
And so um, it, for stage two people, yeah, I, I do want to use certain words because I realize if I don't use those words, they stop listening. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and you also realize there has to be an incredible tenderness here. But for me, these are the folks I have the hardest time with. Sure. And these are the folks easiest for me to judge. Yeah. Even though I certainly was one and could be again, um, uh, because these folks are very judgmental, typically because they found such relief in the institution uh, and in the forms of the institution, um, it's very hard for me when they're when they're judging the ones and the threes um, to just sit and go, oh, okay, that's fine. Right. Um, so, so I struggle most. Um, and, and, and if I'm in my worst moments, what I'm trying to do is to dismantle stage two-ness, right. um, for them. It, 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 it's funny to me, like to think about uh, knowing that it'd be starting a conversation around, tell me about the chaos of your life before you knew this. Right. Like that sounds like such an interesting conversation for folks like that. Right. Because you would run, it, it, it seems that you would run so hard to the structure because of how much chaos there is prior. Correct. And it's, it's just fascinating. That would be a very fascinating right. way to approach that and if conversation. You don't, and, and, and so the way the, what you're saying is, is genius. It's, it's probably one of the best things you've ever said, which oh, is a low bar, let me but, write this down. but <laughs> the way to not judge folks in stage two is to be aware of the prequel and that the harder some of them have embraced the forms of stage two, it, it meant that there was something they were escaping right. from. So yeah. I think that's absolutely beautiful. The issue that Peck raises is you just don't, you don't want to get, you just don't want to plateau in one of these for decades. Yeah. You know, you want to keep moving, you want to keep growing, you want to keep learning. So, so for stage two people, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that there are people that have certain issues or words or concepts that you've got to say to kind of be safe, right. and be acceptable. Right. And, uh, and you're like, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, these are the people that will most often read your uh, doctrinal statements. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. So uh, stage three people, these are the ones that are easiest uh, for me. Well, stage one and, th and three, but these are the folks. I'm most recently a stage three person in the sense of it was crisis and process both. It was crisis in terms of um, uh, Seth and his beautiful birth into our life, the crisis of depression and anxiety, the crisis of failure as a pastor, mm. the crisis mm. of... Um, uh, you know, of of identity and midlife and all those sorts of things combined, um, and uh, and and just the recognition of how suffocating the subculture can be, the mm -hmm. evangelical subculture, the the because churches can very often take on one of these, yeah. right? So there, oh, totally. there are stage two churches where it's just like, they're just cranking out stage two. Yeah. There are stage one churches that are often, we call them seeker sensitive churches where, <laughs> um, where they're just cranking out they're, you know, they, they crank out stage two people and stage two people end up judging the church because it's not deep enough and they need to be fed. And, you know, but right. that, that was the, ch the church God used to bring them to faith. Um, <laughs> and so, so if a stage three or four person, a stage three person is trying to lead a stage two church, um, you know, you get all sorts of train yeah. wreck, train wreck city. Oh, so, yeah. 
So, and that's that goes back to why pastors have affairs and why there's this discontinuity. I mean, even, even I talked to some professors and the professors can't share what they actually believe because it would, it would you know, they'd get cross of one sub point on the doctrinal right. statement. And again, they have a financial interest in, as we do in kind of towing the line. Right. See, it's like I, I would almost love to park right here and talk about the ramifications of leadership with this understanding. Because mm-hmm. that's where that's what's fascinating to me. Because if you you have a leader that's stuck in one of these, right now their influence upon its culture below it. I mean, if we're talking thousands of people right. that live in that adoption and never move between these things, yep. I mean, that's where you get this rise of massive like social and culture changes in these areas because of a particular desire to want things to only be a certain way. Right. You know. I mean, that's like. To me, that's amazing because I immediately in my mind, I start to think of all these different church leaders yeah. and I'm just like, oh, man, like, I mean, if, if we're just going to play the, you know, kind of knee jerk judgment, I'm just like, OK, we'll do that guy's two. That guy's four. That guy's kind of one, you know, and it, it's <laughs> but it's and then it's like, OK, well, right. then what does that mean for the people following? What does that mean for that church? And it, it's all of that stuff. Then it starts. It's interesting. My, my mind just starts to light up. I'm like, right. oh, man, that means a lot. Yep. That's significant. Um, stage three people. Uh, need a lot of permission that mm. and and Vox is a stage three focused yeah stage one yeah. and stage three yeah stage two people aren't terribly happy because we don't do a lot of the forms and right. we're, we're we're you know exploring things but um stage three people need um the constant invitation to in the middle of their doubts and skepticism continue to walk yeah um, they, they need absolute permission to question and to wrestle and the invitation to keep walking Yep, that those aren't in, incongruent. And, um, and so I feel like, you know, for stage three people, um, we, what we've tried to do in the podcast, what we've tried to do in the church is to, is to best approximate what the best I can see what stage four looks like. And it looks a lot like Jesus, mm-hmm. which is there's a great deal of permission uh, for all, all the stages, but there's always the invitation to embrace the next one. Yeah. So, so, so Jesus was calling people to repent, whether that was from religion or from irreligion. Right. Um, out of stage one, uh, he confronted the Pharisees and their stage two-ness. He, he listened to skeptics and questioners, right? Thomas, the, well, unless I see, or the man who says to Jesus, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Right. I mean, right. he, Jesus just had this beautiful engagement, uh, of all kinds of people, but he was constantly inviting them to drop the um, the unnecessary accoutrements of the previous stage Ooh. to embrace the new ones. Accoutrement. I don't even know what that Boom. means. Boom. So um, I'm not going to explain it. You have to look it up. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so for me, the very interesting question is how do you become somebody who is not only on their own journey, but gives grace and peace to people wherever they are. Right. Um, and uh, and yet, uh, even out of the love and the grace and the peace, uh, the invites people and challenges people to embrace the next stage. So so to me, this isn't gospel. This isn't Bible. This isn't... Now, see, that's a disclaimer to stage two. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's helped me in the way that I prepare to talk to crowds um, in the recognition that, man, there are people here who need handles. There are people here who... Um, need to know it's safe, that this is Christian, this is Jesus, this is Orthodox. 
Um, there are people there who need permission. Um, stage four people are the easiest people. They're the people that aren't real impressed. They're not taken in by, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Stage two people are the people that come in and go, this is amazing. I've never been to a church like this. That's stage two language just all the time, yeah. right? Because yeah. they're super impressed with the form. Yeah. And 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 they grow disenchanted with the form at some point. And that, then they get, you know, well, we got to go find a new form that's awesome. Right. Stage four people are the people that just kind of come in and say, yeah, okay. All forms are flawed, so this is a fine one. Right, right. And it's kind of like, I'm not convinced, but I'll stick around. Well, but they're convinced of Jesus. They're just not convinced that... See, well, so well that sounds of, like stage four, though. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, no, stage three. I was saying stage three is more... Oh, yes, stage You're saying three. stage three, like, kind of skeptic doubt, or like, I'm not convinced, but I'll kind of like, you know, I'll play, you yes. know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to describe a stage four person okay. yeah. who moves beyond that to, get, to give great permission to stage three people... And who are just radically Jesus focused, Jesus centered. Stage three, stage four people. Excuse me, if I keep confusing my numbers, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I've been trying to describe a stage four person who isn't that impressed. They've seen okay. Jesus. They're into Jesus. They realize no form captures Jesus, so they're just like, okay, great, your church is fine. Right. But it's not the end, it's not the the end all be all. But they're committed to church, not because it's church. Right. But because they're committed to Jesus. Do you see the difference? Oh, absolutely. There are people who are committed to church for the church's sake. Right. And there are people committed to the church because they're committed to Jesus. Right. That's like, a different thing. Absolutely. Like, I imagine stage fours, the second they sniff out too much structure, they run. You know, it, it almost feels like this starts to indict the mystery and the grandness of what yes. we really believe. And that's where yes. they'll run to hang out with the skeptics and the doubters yeah. much faster than most, they'll sit back in structure. Most preaching in Southern California megachurches is geared to people at stage two. Yeah. And because it's life wisdom, it's, and, and, and there's a certain genius to that because uh, most of us need to be reparented. Most of us need to know how to live. We're not, you know, uh, whether it's money or relationships or whatever, but there's a certain formula churches go through where January is kind of here, get your life back in order. February is relationships and, and March is kind of pre-Easter. Um, and then after Easter, there's this killer sort of bring your friends sort of series and summer, you got to build it for guest speakers and then fall. I mean, it's just kind of this formula. And, and, and it's very much built around stage two. And so so a lot of the reason why people church shop is because they've been in a stage one church and they want to be fed. Or they've been in a stage two church and there's no permission to question. <laughs> or they've been in stage three for a long time and they're just excited uh, to find somewhere to be home. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's less important about the specifics as it is just we want to call someplace home. Yeah. They're exhausted from wandering and asking totally. so many questions and finally finding a place where those questions have permission. But it's not like yes. they're not feeling the tension of living under judgment within this pre Correct. pre existing so structure. People, so, so you'll say, hey, you know, we'll say, well, hey, how'd you, how'd you come to Vox? And people's answers will tell you what stage they're in. Hmm. And, um, yeah. and again, this isn't a judgment in any way, shape or form. there's no, these aren't bad. So Pat's just point a filter. is, these it, are, it, yeah. these are, it's like, it's like saying adolescence is bad or being a toddler is bad. No, these are just the stages. There's no bad, there's no judgment about the, the insecurity of people in the stages creates the judgment, but, but stage four people are aware there's no judgment between these. Right. It's just some people are infants in the faith and some people are mature in the faith. Paul uses this language all over the place. 
And part of the maturity in the faith is the recognition that you're not mature yeah, in the right. faith, right? <laughs> yeah. And and that you're the biggest sinner in the room. Mm-hmm. And so who are you to judge someone else's servant? Right. According to Paul in Romans 14. So so to me, this is a very interesting, very interesting way of looking. Now, again, all disclaimers apply. I mean, this is not gospel. This is not scripture. This is not whatever. But it's been helpful to me because it allows me to be more gracious than I normally would be to people in other stages. Mm-hmm. And um, because my heart is for stage one and stage three people um, to to have to engage with stage two people that's where i be that's where i bring judgment and it's and it's just so helpful Mm. to to realize no there's a prequel to that yeah that i don't know about and i just shut my freaking fat trap (laughs) right yeah and and be gracious and so that is beautiful to me yeah the the tension i sit in is like i feel like i feel like this deep desire to rescue twos like, uh, and, it, and it's because like I it's, you know, as you're explaining kind of, you know, types, if, if we're going to say like for for the sake of conversation too you know, types of churches that are exist in these this number filter, it, it's like number two, socially and economically seems like the easiest to capitalize on. Well, of course. Right. Of course. And so like, why, why is there such a growth? Of, but why of do millennials? Style? But why do millennials leave? Because they are three people. No, absolutely. And culture is moving three. Right. So two churches in a three culture. They just feel they're they dying. just seem out of place. Right. Absolutely. And but it's, it's fascinating to me, though, because it's like, how do you and this is some of my my entrepreneur business mindset, like, well, that's always been the struggle. Like, how do you how do you capitalize on spectus, spectics and doubters yeah. you have to do a ton of extra work to convince? Right. And then like your number fours who are comfortable with the mystery, like they, they don't they don't hold on to anything for too long because they're they're living in this more fluid kind of grand idea. No, 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 that's not true. That's not true. Okay. Uh, No, everything was beautiful until that last sentence. Okay. Fours hang on, but they do it for different reasons than twos do. Okay, okay. Okay, I can get that. Fours are stable. Fours are anchored. Okay. But it's from a completely different place of self. Okay. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense for sure. And so so threes are the floaters. Yeah, okay. Fours come back. And they're still Jesus people. Right, they embrace mystery and they're okay with it and stable in it and comfortable in it. Yes. Yeah. And they don't see mystery as juxtaposed to revelation. So so for me, I can feel totally comfortable saying, you know what? Um, I I am utterly and unbelievably committed to Jesus. And um, I really don't know a whole heck of a lot, uh, for sure, right. about a lot of big doctrinal things. Sure. You know, there are hints and we'll talk about it. And we'll study it. But the thing about four, and again, I'm not saying I'm a four. I'm I'm a wannabe four. Uh, the thing about four is it seems like you're sure about less, but the things you're sure about, you're more sure about. Yep. Because okay. they've been tested now through doubt and pain and crisis. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So, so that. you know, people will, will, you know, man, my whole faith is thrown if if Genesis one isn't literal, right? And I'm like, eh, okay, Fine. my faith doesn't rest on that, but I get that, okay. Um, you know, if the flood was global or local as a central issue, it's like, nah, that's a stage two issue. That's mm-hmm. not a, to me, that's not a, that's not a, a central issue to the faith. Blah blah blah. So we're all working out our, you know, spiritual. Uh, walk with Jesus. Um, and it's just so easy to begin judging. And so the thing that the insights I love is that how, how it's easy it is for people in the different stages to judge each other. Um, the insight that I love is one stage two people flee mystery. 
Um, and so they go to Jesus to remove mystery. Um, stage four people go to Jesus because there's mystery. And that, man, that. So I wrote a book called Astonished, and I'm not plugging it, but that was what the book was about. was about you get to stage, what stage four begins to look like, and that Jesus is compelling precisely because the gospels don't perfectly line up or because there's so many things left unexplained or because like, like it's not dressed up in all the ways you think it would be if it were made up, you know, right. if you're just, if you're just inventing stuff, you'd answer all these big questions. Right. Um, it, it, the gospels are messy. They're sloppy. They're, they're embarrassing. There are all sorts of embarrassing details in there. And you're just like, this just feels like something epic that God would do in the midst of human dirt and grime. Oh, okay. So you'd expect it to be dirty, sloppy, and grimy, and beautiful in the midst of that. I mean, right. that's the incarnation. So, so um, I'm just compelled by the insights, uh, not just of the stages, but how the stages interact with each other in faith. Yeah, yeah. And so the preaching of mystery, uh, which is great news for some, is horrible news for others. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and right. Yeah. And the welcoming of doubt is great news for some and horrible news to others. Right. And you realize, well, that's why we need all these communities of faith, right? Because um, I, I know stage one churches and pastors who are absolutely incredible. Stage two pastors and churches that are absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And stage three, um, uh, the, the issue with stage three uh, pastors and churches is um, you, you have to grab something. And if you stay too long in the doubt and in the angst and in the wilderness, what you end up grabbing is your angst and your doubt. Yeah. You're not, and it's like, ah, eh, that becomes the shield for you. That becomes like, that becomes the anchor. Right. You become your skepticism. You become yes, a, yeah, your skepticism is the, is the, is the anchor. And you're like, ah, I think there's something bigger than that. So all that is to say, Andy, I thought I've been saving this one just because I thought it would be a really interesting conversation for when we weren't in the middle of something thick and heavy. Um, and, and I'd love to hear our, our thoughts, uh, are from the community on this. Is this helpful? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, does it describe you? Where do you see, um, where do you see us, uh, in the midst of this? And how does this, does it help, uh, you understand that life, church, um, spiritual growth? I'd love just your thoughts right. on it. And, um, what were you going to say? This, and it's funny because, um, this answers like a random question this senior in high school kid had in a small group I used to run. And it was because we were talking about, and it, this brings so much more articulation to what I could have said at that time because there was, it was talking about like not understanding levels of faith. You know, mm. it was kind of like, why can, why do people have more faith or less faith? I mean, Jesus talks about if you have a tiny bit, how much you can do with it. Like, it was kind of like, oh. how do I understand? you know, reaching levels of faith. Like, what does that even look like? You know, or it's kind of, it's, but it's interesting how it seems like culture externally kind of tends to like influence what that, what that actually looks like. Like mm -hmm. this to me brings legs to, I can analyze myself now and look at where, where is grace and how does, how does faith work itself out? Cause why am I doubting or being so skeptical about this thing? Right. Why am I more okay with these kinds of structures and not others? That's right. Like I, I can embrace mystery and be perfectly fine and I'm stable in it, but yet it seems to lack certain structure that I can't relate with other friends I have. Yeah. So it, it, it helps to give myself such a different positioning in my yep. own like friendships and people I'm among and, and where I am as societies. No, really I, I think this is, this is 
brilliant. One of one of and one of the ways that that it's wrecked me is the realization that there are parts of me that are all the different stages. Yeah. So so I have I have sin issues with that are totally stage one. Mm-hmm. That you're like, oh my goodness, I got I can't I can't get this thing under control. Yeah. I've got um, I've got religious impulses or. Um, life impulses that are totally man. I need I need governance. I need the structure. And if I'm not careful, I judge people who don't have similar structure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have got places where I'm just oh in the wilderness, and I've got places where I'm fully at peace. And so you're like ah oh, okay, that's really it's not just um, it's not just one or two or three. This discrete sort of movement. Uh, there's bits and pieces all over the place. So anyway, yeah. uh, it's in that spirit. We offer it to you, my brothers and sisters. And uh, so M. Scott Peck, I don't remember what it was. I think it was an article I read this in, but I don't know if that article was taken from one of his books. So uh, all that is to say, we bless you. We're grateful for you. And um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, shine his face upon you and be gracious to you in whatever stage you're in. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. Uh, May he give you peace. Thanks for letting us be a part of your life. And uh, thanks for allowing us to uh, share a part of the journey. So bless you. Till next time, brothers and sisters. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.